0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit thechurchinthepeak.org. So, well, as Neil said, I'm probably I'm a bit stuck in Exodus, and I have been for a while. Um, and in light of everything that's happened so far this morning, I don't feel where I am is irrelevant to where that to what God's saying so if you have a Bible Exodus 33 and um, this is an account of where Moses responds to God's in the conversation with God an encounter with God and responds so in uh, verse 18 I think we well, are there Moses responded then show me your glorious presence and the Lord replied I will make all my goodness pass before you And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. And in light of what God's already doing and saying, even amongst us this morning, is there's a God who loves us, that wants the very best for us, and he wants us to be free. There's a freedom that. For all of us, we've yet to step into. We sang that song this morning. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Well, some versions say it's truly free. And I don't know if you know what true freedom is. I don't know if you've experienced true freedom. And that is freedom from fear for anyone. Fear from man. Fear of any situation. Fear of particular thing. Whether it's fear of I don't know, even fear of spiders. You can't be free from fear of spiders. I'm sure. You know, the tiny little things. And they make people run. I've got a two-year-old grandson who is absolutely terrified of spiders. Where did that come from? How did he get that? I do not know. But he's absolutely terrified of them. But there's a freedom that we can know in God. There's a freedom that we can step into. There's a freedom for us as the people of God, as the church of God, that God's intended for us, that's ours for the taking. But freedom is a choice. Just as sozo is a choice. See, if you're not ready and prepared to face some things in your life, then going to a sozo will be no good to you. Because you've got to be ready to respond. You've got to be ready to deal with it. And sometimes you've got to allow God to take you to a place where perhaps you're desperate. I don't know if you've ever got to a desperate place. I think in this story, Moses had come to the end of himself. And he'd certainly come to the end of the people of God he'd had enough, he wanted out, and uh, he even questioned God, if you're with me, if you're truly, you're with us, and we're on this journey because you're with us, then somehow you've got to do something, because if you don't, I'm off, and I don't know if you've ever got to that point, I know I have a few times, God, I've kind of resigned being a leader of a church many times, said, God, I've had it, I've done, I'm out, and then kind of God's got me, and you can kind of say, okay, God, I know you said I've got to do this. I know it's the right thing to do. Someday God gets you back and God rescues you. But there's, a, there's an encounter recorded for us here that actually changed everything for the rest of their journey. Changed everything. Now, it wasn't that Moses hadn't had an encounter with God before. Because it says in the passage that actually God says about with Moses, I speak to him face to face. So there's been plenty of encounter. There's been plenty of face-to-face conversation going on between God and Moses, but he's come to a desperate place. He's come to a place where enough's enough, and I've had enough. And sometimes God allows us to get to a place where enough's enough, and we're desperate enough to deal with something. And sometimes we're never going to deal with it until we get to that place. But God allows it, and God allows it for our good. And so I want to encourage us this morning just by a few things in the short time I've got is to actually encourage us and help us to respond to God's goodness. Because actually his plan for us is good. But while ever we're living with things and, and living with fear, particularly living with sin, living with other things that hold us and restrict us, we'll never fully enter into what God's plan and purpose for us. There'll always be something that holds us back. And I don't want to be held back. I don't want us as the people of God to be held back. What we're at now, where we're at now, is the beginning of the fulfilment of a promise coming into fruition. But actually, we can miss it by allowing things in our life to continue. And we can rob ourselves of fully entering into it by not allowing God to change us. Now, change is difficult. Some people like change, some people hate change. I personally like change. I like initiating change. I've said it before. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to bring massive change. Jesus came into the world declaring, I'm going to bring change to this world, I'm going to make a difference. And it says, and at his birth in Luke 2 14, it says, Glory to God uh, in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You see, the whole thing about Jesus coming was, was, there was glory to God, and actually there was a work to be done in man, to bring man into a place of peace. And that's what God's intention was. So when Jesus came, that's what was about, he was about. There was going to be an absolute shift. God was going to, about to change things. There was going to be a death and a resurrection that could change the world forever, and would. And our our thinking needs to shift. We had a word a few weeks ago about wineskins. And old wineskins are no good for new wine. They break. But actually, even the new wineskin, we have to be prepared to deal with things to embrace and get hold of the new wineskin. We have to let go of some things that hinder us and hold us back. We need to let go of. And I want to encourage us in this time, actually, it's time to let go of some things that maybe we've lived with. Bill Johnson uses this term. What you tolerate will do- dominate. What in your life. What is it that toler- you tolerate? That you think, oh, I can put up with that. It's all right. It doesn't really affect me that much. It's okay with that bit. That bit of my life, it doesn't really affect anything else. I can get away with that. I can tolerate that happening. Actually, it there comes a point when it it can dominate and actually it rules everything and it robs us and it robs the church it robs you personally and it robs the church so my question is what is it that you're tolerating right now maybe it's a situation maybe it's a sin Maybe it's a circumstance, situation that you've not bothered to think, well, I can just let that happen. I don't want to face that challenge. I don't want to do that. On Friday, we were at our regional leaders uh, meeting up in Manchester, and we were doing conflict resolution. Now, that's a bit challenging, because how many people like conflict, and how many people like challenging conflict, going into a conflict situation and challenging the issue? Not many, And it's very difficult, isn't it, to to actually challenge things. And when you know they're not right, to actually challenge them, even to challenge them in your own life and challenge them in your own heart can be a difficult thing. To challenge it with somebody else is another thing altogether as well. And it's really challenging to do. And, uh, I mean, my role, sometimes I have to do disciplinaries at work. And I had one recently, and it wasn't very nice. And uh, one of the senior managers who was hearing the case... He kind of made a decision, this guy's going to lose his job. It's a really hard thing to do. But we had to challenge the behavior of this, of this particular member of staff. It's not easy. And none of us like conflict. And none of us like it when it really, it's, it's with ourselves. And it's something we have to challenge because it's uncomfortable for us. And it's painful for us. And it's difficult to do. And we don't like it. And I would tend to shy away from it personally for myself is anything that's really affecting me that's really that close to me i will shy away from i know i would but actually when we kind of do this scoring thing on this when we did this uh, uh conflict resolution and uh the guy who was uh, kind of taking us through the day a guy called Bring hughes as a leadership coach uh management coach and uh, he looked over my shoulders and you know, he said i think you'll be very pleased with those scores and when I filled it all in, I was very pleased with those scores. All right, it put me right in the middle, where, right where I hoped I would be. Um, I'm not passive when it comes to dealing and, and resolving conflict. I don't want to be passive, but I don't want to be aggressive either, either. And there's this reconciliatory kind of area in the middle. And that's where I fell. And I thought, yeah, good. I'm pleased with that. That's good for me. Actually, we've got to learn sometimes to face up to things. It's good to face things. John, I I prayed with John a number of times and he shared with me and while he said prayer helped but it wasn't the breakthrough. But it was the breakthrough that was needed. And there's a breakthrough that's needed sometimes and it only comes by actually facing it. And facing it head on and being willing to face it. Because actually the consequence of it is freedom, not destruction. What's the consequence of facing things? It's freedom and not destruction. But we fear the worst, don't we? We have a tendency to kind of fear the worst outcome. And actually we shy away because actually we're frightened of what it might mean, what might change, what might happen at the end of it. Actually, that's not the issue. The issue really is that there's freedom for us when we're willing to face it. But our willingness to face it is the issue. Our confidence in a God who is good sometimes is not. You see, if we don't truly believe that God's good then we rub ourselves completely. You see, people say God's good and then they blame God for all kinds of situations and circumstances whether in their own life or in the world. They say, and they say, oh, God, we know God's good but then you know, there's cancer or there's this disease, there's that sickness, there's that, that disaster in the world there, there's terrorist war going on here and there. And they then begin to blame God and say, well, if God's so good, why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? And they begin to harvest something in their heart against God. We can't say that God's good and then blame him for the bad stuff that happens. Because it doesn't come from him. But he wants to bring us into Freedom where we see it as he sees it see god wants us to have a heavenly perspective and not an earthly one he wants us to see with the eyes of the spirit and not our own natural eyes and uh i I know sometimes i look at situations i'm thinking i'm not sure i'm seeing this right i'm not sure i'm understanding this right and it's only when i begin to pray and i begin to see god that i actually get a true perspective of what's happening And what that situation is. And God wants us to have a true perspective of heaven. And heaven's perspective on things, not our own natural one. We need to see it like he does. John 1, uh, 3, verse 8 says, For the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why Jesus came. Came to destroy the works of the evil one. In your life and in my life, and in those around us, and in, in our world. But it's only done as we respond to God. It's only done as we are willing to face up to the things that we know are wrong in our own lives. It only happens as we trust that God is good, and out of that situation, God will bring good. Because he is. And I'm, I'm on a journey with this. Because I went through a time when I could not say, I could not sing songs, I could not say God's good. Things that were going on in my own life did not reflect what I thought was the goodness of God. Therefore, I was holding something against God. And I thought, I can't, I even, I can't even sing the words, I can't even say the words, that God's good. And I'm, I'm preaching this partly because I'm, I'm going through my own journey of truly believing that God's good and he's going to work good, and he's going to bring about good, but only as I respond to him, but only as I follow him, as only as I I, I allow him to work in my life and to bring change. You see, this way of thinking sometimes where we we can blame God, we can say, yeah, God's good, but then actually blame Him for all kinds of things and attribute these things to some of the things in our life that happen to to God in some weird way that somehow God allows that. So along the line, He can show me He's good. And I know people that have done that and they say, well, God's allowed this into my life because He's going to work good out of it. And you think, no, God hasn't allowed that. See, bad stuff happens to good people doing the right thing sometimes. It's just how it is. Because we live in a fallen world. But it's not so much what happens. It's how we handle it. How we respond to God in the midst of it. How we allow him to show us his goodness in the midst of something that isn't so good. And doesn't feel good. You see, because God's goodness is not based on our feelings. Is it? Does, do you, is that how you measure God's goodness? I feel God's good today, so he is. Tomorrow I'm having a bad day, God can't be good. Is that our measure of his goodness? You see, Jesus taught us how to recognize the works of the evil one showed us what's evil but he's also showed us what's good and he modeled something for us in how to destroy the works of the evil one and we too can do it that's the good news jesus said you'll do greater things than these well as i've said before i'd just be happy to do the things jesus did you know if we were just doing them as a church it'd be a whole different church wouldn't it if we just did the things jesus did let alone the greater thing Just to do what Jesus did would change us completely. And we'd look very different. And while I've had a number of recent uh, answers to prayers, what we would perhaps put in the category of perhaps miraculous, people's legs growing and different things happening has been great. When that kind of thing begins to happen, people begin to hear about it. Whether we tell them or not, somebody does somewhere. It gets out there. God's doing something. We've had people saying, we hear things are going on in your church. And that's great. But I'm saying, I don't want to lose that. I want to press in for more of that. I don't want that to stop because, oh, well, we've we've, we've seen a few miracles now. Actually, I want to press in for more. I want to press in for more of what God's got for us. I want to press in to say, God, let your kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. And his kingdom is full of goodness because he's good. His kingdom is to come and show good to men and women in their lives, because he's a good God. And Sozo actually is about encountering that goodness. And Sozo encounter is about receiving the goodness of God in exchange for the bad stuff in our lives. We just do an exchange with God. a song that Hillsongs wrote years ago called Beautiful Exchange, and that's exactly what it is. It's a beautiful exchange of stuff that's happened to us, stuff we're carrying. We hand over and we receive goodness from God in mercy and grace and forgiveness, hope, faith, joy, peace, and freedom. All the good that God's got planned for us is all we have to do is step into it, all we have to do is receive it, all we have to do is choose to believe and trust and face up to the things that are holding us back from encountering that see Moses' encounter with God actually as you read on and this probably will be my last talk out of Exodus you'll be pleased to know we will move on but actually that that changed everything as you read on and you read on even as uh, Moses recounts in Deuteronomy and there's this recount Peter helpfully recounted our journey as a church a few weeks ago in terms of our physical journey, where we'd moved to in terms of where we'd met and kind of where where we planted out and where we are going. But we've been on a spiritual journey. We started out in the early days and we were very influenced by John Wimber and his ministry. And it was great. And uh, God's taken us on a whole journey, a spiritual journey... And there's been others who have influenced us massively over the years and brought us to where we are. And there's others we can receive from even now that will shape us and help us. But the one who really wants to shape us is Jesus. The one who really has a journey for us, a spiritual journey that will shape us and change us and make us into the people of God he wants us to be, that will take the peak district and see his kingdom come on earth in the peak district just as it is in heaven. Jesus himself, we can get help from others, but he himself, by the Spirit of God, will lead us in a spiritual journey. And when, we, when I first came to this church many years ago, and it was, I think when we joined it was 20 people, we made it 20 people when we joined, suddenly we had an outbreak of the presence of God that lasted a long time. God just broke in again and again and again and we saw God just meet people, change people, set people free, time and time again. And for me, I kind of been dreaming about that. I've been saying, God, where are those dates? We knew of them in the early part. We knew I, I remember the first time I ever preached in this church, and I was absolutely terrified. Because I never preached once before, and I wasn't on my feet two minutes. And I'd had enough of saying, I'm never doing that again. And I preached, and I remember just I had this picture of a waterfall over my head flowing out from me and out, and it just flowed. And as I was preaching, God was just on people, and people were just breaking down in tears, people were falling on the floor. The outbreak of God. And we went into worship and it was just like there were just bodies everywhere. God broke in in such a way that that continued for many years after. And somewhere along the way, I feel we've lost something. I feel we've lost something of the edge of the manifest presence of God in that kind of way. And my heart and my prayer and my desire is, God, I want, I want to recover something of what we've lost. And is that not what Jesus came to do? To recover for us that which was lost? So that's my prayer. God, I want to see days like that where there's the outbreak of the presence of God and people get free. And people get changed. And people encounter you. And and dry people are drenched again in in the living water of the Holy Spirit. And people are thirsty again. You see... There's a passage that I, I read out a while ago when I was talking on this. It's, uh, from Psalms, and it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I talked about Neil's rich chocolate cake, but I was thinking about like, when you go into a supermarket and they try, try to tempt you with a morsel on a cocktail stick, don't they? You have some, something new on the market, something new delicacy that's out there, and they try to tempt you, and they give you this cocktail stick with this little... Well, it's not even a mouthful, is it? It's just a a bite-sized, tiny bit of something in the hope that you will go and buy that product. I think God's offering us far more than a morsel to taste. I think that's so insufficient. And if you're enjoying a really... I don't know about you, this is me. When I'm enjoying a really good meal and it's really tasty and even though I'm full and there's some left, I want to be able to eat more. I want more. I want more of it because it's so tasty. Even though I'm full, I know I can't manage anymore. I want it. I still desire more. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to leave us when He encounters us. You see, the promise to the people of Israel was I'm going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that speaks of rich pasture because actually they were getting their milk from goats. Goats in rich pasture produce lots of milk. And a a land flowing with, there's a sense of the overflow, there's a sense of abundance, there's a sense of plenty here, there's plenty for you to have, there's plenty of milk here. And for the honey, they would get honey from two sources. They would get it from, from honey from fruit and they would get it from the bees and it was flowing with that and they would hide the bees wouldn't build their nests in in rocks and stuff and they had to go and get it but it would flow because nobody else was getting it nobody else would get into the rocks to get it and they would get that honey out so a land flowing with milk and honey is a land that is rich of rich pasture and god wants to take us into rich pasture of himself and his presence that's where god wants to lead us to That's the promise. A land flowing with milk and honey for us is there lots to have. There's freedom in the land. There's joy in the land. There's peace in the land. There's a harvest to be reaped in the land. Many to be saved and added in the land that we're going to. God's given us. And for us, it's called the peak District. And the goodness of God is that we enter it and we possess the land. And we're on the journey. We need to experience. You see, you can have all the head knowledge you like. You can read up, and you can study, you can do your own Bible study on the goodness of God. And I've been doing it. It's all there, plenty of it. You'll find it right through Scripture. There's lots on the goodness of God. And you can know everything about it with never, ever tasting it. And never experiencing. You see, actually, it's the experience that makes the difference. See, faith is a journey of walking with God that leads us into encounters with his goodness. And that's what he wants for us. And that's where he wants to take us. You see, we can, never, we can never overstate his goodness. Throughout all our life, we'll never ever be able to overstate the goodness of God or exaggerate it too much because it's just who he is. But we can always play it down because we measure it against ourselves, our life circumstances, our own sin, our own failure. But actually, when we look at it in the light of who he is, will never be able to exaggerate it too much. Not a chance. He's good God and he's a good father and he's got good things for us as a church together. He's all we have to do is choose to step into it. He's all we have to do is choose to taste. See, when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory, God responds with, I'll show you my goodness. You see, he doesn't want us just to see something some wonderful son actually he wants to experience goodness. He just wants us to observe and look on with in awe of glory. He wants to experience it. It's about experience, and and I hear the stories of the cloud, the Shekinah glory, falling down, coming down in meetings, and people being covered in gold dust and finding jewels and all these kind of things. Just a, a, an expression of the goodness of God. And I don't want to just hear stories. I want to experience the story i want to experience god i want to experience his goodness on us as a church i want to experience the wonder of who he is the magnificence of his glory the splendor of him right here in this place and to the peaks shall we stand together